It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome to the show, everyone. We got a great one for you today here on this Saturday, October 17th, as we look to preview UFC Fight Night Ortega versus the Korean Zombie, which takes place in <laughs> the matter of one hour. Uh, so, shotgun start here. Forgot to do the show uh, the last couple of days. Been pretty busy with work. Um, so, yeah, we're going to do it literally right before uh, it begins. But, you know, we got to do it. We can't miss a show, and we got to put our picks out there into the ether. Um, not a whole lot of housekeeping. Uh, main card showdown, obviously, is on. I'll get to the picks once we get to the main card. Um yeah, that's pretty much it, and we're going to waste absolutely no time, and we're going to get right into this. Um, so we're going to start here with the prelim opener. It's a bantamweight fight here between Saeed Nurmagomedov and Mark Strigel. Uh, we look at the odds which come via Odd Shark. Uh, they have Nurmagomedov as the minus 400 favorite. Um, so obviously, <coughs> excuse me, a very prohibitive favorite here. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Nurmagomedov on this one. Um, he did lose his first fight of his career. No, excuse me, his second fight, his first fight in the UFC. Uh, he, he lost that one um, back in December to uh, Howney Barcelos. Um, looking to rebound here. I think this is the f- UFC debut for Strigel. Um, obviously has a very, very gaudy record. 18-2 is pretty impressive. Um, but he's a little up there for a bantamweight, 32, you know, to just now be getting into the UFC. Um, you know, that's that's a little a little later, uh, you know, on the bantamweight spectrum. Uh, again, you know, with some of these prelims, I'm not going to pretend to know things I don't know. Um, but I'm just going to tell you that I, I'm picking Nurmagomedov uh, to win this one. Uh, moving on, we have a light heavyweight fight here. Between Gadzamurad, Antigulov, and Maxim Grishin. Uh, Antigulov 20 and 7, Grishin 38 and 2. Uh, battle of two Russians here. Uh, Grishin is actually the minus 350 favorite, which I think is wild. Uh, I think that's real wild. And uh, straight up on a pick 'em, I would take um, Antigulov on this one. Um, has a lot more UFC uh, experience. Um, albeit he is on a three-fight losing streak. But, you know, when, when you talk... I mean, listen, Grishin and Antigulov are at the very, very, very bottom of the light heavyweight division, okay? They're, they're newcomers. They, they have, they're not on long, crazy winning streaks in the company. Maybe, they, maybe, maybe they'll be at the top one day. I'm not trying to say that, you know, anything negative. But they're at the very bottom of, of the UFC light heavyweight division. So Antigulov, he is on a three-fight losing streak. But to be honest... Lost to Kutalaba, Olegzechuk, and Craig. I mean, those are those are pretty decent fighters. I'm not trying to be condescending or any type of way when I say it, but those are those are pretty decent fighters. They're not world beaters, but you know what I mean. All three of those fighters belong in the UFC. Now he he, he does have wins. So he started his UFC career off two and zero. Chokes of uh, Hajario de Lima and uh, Christensen. So he has the UFC experience, and you look at Grishin. Uh, this is a guy who, uh, you know, comes out of the PFL. 
I mean, he's been fighting for years before that, but most recently, uh, you know, came out of the PFL, and he lost to uh, Marcin Tibura uh, back at 251. And this is a guy, you look at his record, it's it's pretty crazy, 38-2. and two. That's a very good record, but it is all against cans. He is a can crusher. So I'm not going to argue with anybody if they want to pick Grishin over Antigulov. That's not a hill I'm even remotely willing to die on, but it is crazy that he's a very heavy favorite and uh, he does not have a win in the UFC and is a can crusher. So again, wouldn't shock me if Grishin won, but uh, I'm going to go Antigulov on this one. I just think the UFC experience is... is you know, going to do something for him here as Grishin tries to, you know, just get his first win in the UFC. All right, moving on here. Uh, we have a lightweight bout here between Faris Zaim and Jamie Malarkey. Zaim is 10-3, and Malarkey is 12-3. and uh, We look at the odds here. They have Malarkey as a slight minus 140 favorite. Um, yeah, I'm going with Malarkey on this one. Again, not for any uh, profound uh, reason, um, but again, he, he does have more UFC experience, which is incredibly valuable. I mean, I, I don't mean to you know keep using the same answer, but uh, you know it's it's a real thing. I mean, you know, octagon experience is is a real thing. You know, he's only 26. Um, he's he's got good height for uh, for a lightweight, six feet tall, um, and uh, you know, he he made his debut versus Brad Riddell, lost. Uh, to Riddell, which there's no shame in that because honestly, you know, I've struggled with that. Like, um, I really wanted to rank Riddell. I really did. But, you know, just the division is so stacked that I, I can't possibly fit him in. But with one more win, Riddell will be ranked. Um, and, and that guy's going places. I mean, you know, when you're a striking coach at, at uh, Tiger Muay Thai or whatever um, in Thailand, I mean, He's, he's a very, very good fighter, a very good striker. Um, so I have high hopes for, for that guy. Uh, conversely, with Zayim, uh, never seen him. Actually, you know what? I, I have seen him uh, back at 242, but I just don't remember it because I, you know, it was buried on the prelims. He lost to Don Madge. Um, so I guess I guess both of these guys looking for their UFC, uh, the first UFC W, and I think Malarkey is the one to get it here tonight. Uh, moving on here, we have a very interesting matchup here uh, for lower-ranked middleweights. Uh, it's a fight here between uh, Jun Young Park and John Phillips. Uh, Phillips is 22-10, and 10, Park is 11-4. and 4. Uh, I see they changed his nickname from the White Mike Tyson to the Welsh Wrecking Machine. That's a pretty good nickname as well, but I like the White Mike Tyson. Uh, we have Park as the minus 280 favorite. And uh, this is interesting. I'm, I'm always interested by people who just possess insane power, and that certainly fits the, the bill for John Phillips. Now, uh, he was cut earlier um, in the year following his loss to Hamzat Chemaev. And this is a guy who is 1-4 in the UFC. Uh, his only win was a highlight reel 14-second knockout of Alan Amadovsky. So obviously not a guy who racks up the wins in the UFC but certainly certainly if he he just needs he, it's cliche but he just needs one punch to send you to another fucking dimension so um that's always an interesting dynamic that you're playing with where well I mean Phillips I mean he's been finished by by chokes in three of his four losses you know but as long as as long as he's still in there and still standing which 
you know, obviously doesn't always happen. Uh, he, he, he really could, you know, just brutally knock out his opponent, and I don't think too highly of Jun Young Park at this point. Um, I, I respect his nickname. It's the Iron Turtle, uh, you know, and, and he's 1-1 one one in the UFC. Um, and, and I say I, I don't think highly of him right now. I mean, maybe he proves me wrong and he goes on a four-fight winning streak, but just from what I've seen so far, not super impressed. I think Marc-Andre Barrio is is one of the worst fighters to be in the UFC in the last handful of years. Um, so I, I don't think a whole lot about that. So uh, I, I think it's entirely possible that Phillips pulls off the uh, pretty moderate upset here. I mean, as the plus 220 uh, underdog. And, you know, I think I think he gets a knockout here. So I'm going with John Phillips, the pride of Wales um, on this one. All right, moving on here. Still on the prelims. Uh, we have Jillian Robertson and Pollyanna Botello. Uh, Robertson eight and four, Botello eight and two. This in the women's flyweight division. Robertson is the minus two ten favorite. Um, I think that's a little crazy. Uh, I, I think it should be higher. Uh, I'm a big fan of Jillian Robertson. Obviously had the setback against Macy Barber, but uh, really put it on. Uh, really broke the will of Courtney Casey in her last performance. Um, you know, I know eight and four is not the craziest record in the world but you know listen what what female fighter in the UFC has a great record I mean you know it's just hard to find it's still you know women's mixed martial arts and the UFC I mean it's been around at least the bantamweight since uh, 2013 but you know it's still developing I mean and, and we're talking about the flyweights here so I hate to draw such a crude comparison but like so the flyweights have only been around in the UFC for about three years I mean, that's that's basically like, you know, men's heavyweight only being around three years in 1997 because that's what that's the equivalent. So, you know, we're, it's still developing. So I, I don't get hung up on records too much with female fighters. Um, you know what I mean? But but Robertson, um, you know, she's she's really. I know at one point she had the most wins in flyweight history. Obviously, it's a very short history, but she's a very active fighter. Um, as well, and I believe we have her ranked. I'm trying to pull up the uh, North Star Sports uh, UFC rankings, uh, which you can find at NorthStarSports.media forward slash rankings. And we have Robertson as the number 12 flyweight. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, we do not have Botello ranked, so it is it is interesting. I mean, Robertson's coming off of a win and facing someone who's not ranked. Um, it was tough to find the rankings because we added the women's featherweight and the men's flyweight, so our rankings are just, you know, ever-expanding. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Robertson. Not that Patello's not a, a good fighter, but, um, you know, a win over Lauren Mueller and, and Siri Kondo and, and Pearl Gonzalez. I mean, I, I don't I don't really know what that does for me when we're talking about someone who has the talent of a Jillian Robertson. So, um, you know, and I'll even go Robertson by third round submission I think that happens again because um, she can really take fighters into deep waters and has shown finishing finishing ability which is not something that every female UFC fighter possesses um, certainly when you look at the numbers all right moving on here uh, to the prelim headliner it is a highly anticipated bout between Matisse Gamrot and Guram good lord Guram Kutalidlat Guram Katalazi. Jesus Lord, that's a that's a tough name. We're gonna we're gonna call him Guram. We're gonna call him Guram or or, or uh, G, GK 
because that is a fucking nightmare to say. Um, yeah, but this one, this one's very interesting. So, uh, Gamrot, he's the minus 310 favorite. There is a lot of hype around this guy. Uh, so this is a lightweight bout. Uh, Gamrot 17 and 0. Guram is 11 and 2. And, uh, Listen, you've heard Joanna Janjacek plug this guy. You've heard Jan Blahovich plug this guy. I think Chibura even plugged this guy. I mean, a lot of people think this is the future of Polish MMA. Uh, and, uh, you know, I guess by proxy, the, the future of European MMA. I mean, this this guy, there is a lot, a lot of hype. I mean, I can't, I can't overstate. I mean, you know, UFC debut, uh, it is a fight night. But, you know, a lot of eyes are going to be on this because it's on Fight Island. And he's he's on, uh, on the prelim headliner, which... Um, that's something that a lot of people don't understand. A lot of times it's better... It's not always better to be on the main card. It, it really isn't. So, like... If you're on the prelims, you don't want to be in the middle of the prelims. You'd either... You, you would want to be the prelim opener, or you'd want to be the prelim headliner. It's oftentimes... Now, it's different when we're talking about a pay-per-view, but on, on fight nights, you would rather be the prelim headliner than to be the second fight on the main card. That's just how it is. That's just with, with placement and promotion, you would rather be the prelim headliner. So this is a pretty significant spot for a guy who's making his UFC debut. Now, he's only 29, um, so, I mean, probably probably could have came over a little bit sooner, but, uh, you know, he, he still is still has a couple of years before he gets into his prime. Uh, this is a guy who's a KSW champ. Uh, pretty much every single fight he's ever had has been in KF, KSW outside of, you know, some early ones and then, you know, had a, a quick fling over in uh, Cage Warriors. Um, but, uh, again, uh, you know, not a whole lot of names you would recognize. I mean, he beat Norman Park. I mean, if you're a UFC fan from, you know, like fucking 10 years ago, you might know who Norman Park is. Um, and, and you know, I'll be, I'll be very curious to see if this is a guy who comes in and has the type of debut that, like, a Yuri Prohaska had, you know, because... Uh, I, I've and, and, and to go to the other side here, I have nothing to say about Guram. Uh, this is uh, his UFC debut. He's coming from Brave, which is interesting because uh, Brave brought us uh, Hamza Chimaev. Brave is really doing a lot to develop um, uh, Middle Eastern MMA, uh, which is interesting because that's kind of an underdeveloped region for MMA. But pretty much every region at this point has has some pretty solid feeder organizations. Um, so good to see that. But, um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see if he has the impact that Prohaska had because I think we're seeing this now. And and it might be a little screwed up because of the coronavirus, uh, and that just changes the dynamic. But you, you see it with Israel Adesanya. You saw it a little bit before with Jimmy Manawa. Obviously, he never became champ. But, like... So there's there's no shortage of talented young 22 year old fighters who came to the UFC before they were ready and permanently destroyed their career because they came over too soon, and I think we're seeing a trend of fighters like Yuri Prohaska, like Israel Adesanya, who decline UFC contracts to get more experience so that when they come to the UFC they're not you're always growing as a mixed martial artist so don't get me wrong I want to say that. But you're not learning on the job once you get to the UFC. You are ready to be champion from day one. And I think that's probably the case here with Gamrot. Uh, so, you know, this is interesting. I'm obviously going uh, Matisse Gamrot uh, to get the uh, dub here on the prelim headliner. 
All right, so we're moving on here uh, to the main card. Uh, I, well, I guess we'll we'll go we'll go fight by fight here. Um, so I just want to pull up uh, the fireman's predictions. Um, and we have, so this is a uh, featherweight fight here between Thomas Almeida and Jonathan Martinez. Almeida is the minus 140 favorite. Um, interesting that this is at uh, featherweight. Um, obviously these are two bantamweights that don't want to cut weight because of traveling to Abu Dhabi and, um, you know, the whole COVID thing. Almeida, uh, 22 and three Martinez, uh, 12 and three. Uh, the fireman's pick for this is uh, Martinez round two TKO, um, and I got to be honest, for me this is this is interesting. Almeida was one of the hottest prospects in the UFC up until the point where he fought Cody Garbrandt. Now, uh, I think they both might have been unranked, so that's really crazy. I don't know the circumstances surrounding this fight night, but they were the they were the headliners for a fight night back in 2016 that really propelled Cody Garbrandt to stardom. Um, and, and, and since then, he's gone one and two, so he's lost three of his last four fights, albeit against really, really tough guys. I mean, Jimmy Rivera, Rob Font. So, it, man, it's just... This, this is one of the hardest fights to pick because you go, like, this is a very tough guy. He has, he's had a lot of hype, but he's lost recently. And you go, like, where's Thomas Almeida's signature victory? Who's the best guy he's beat? You can't you couldn't name you couldn't name the guy so it, it's so tough because it's all hypothetical it's all it's all you know potential so it, it's it's so tough because I've seen it with Jonathan Martinez like not that he has a signature win like oh that's Jonathan Martinez but like I, I no, I've seen him win in the UFC you know what I mean he, he, I've I guess that Frankie Sines victory is probably his best victory but like I've seen it and with Almeida it's like Man, that train really got derailed. But is there is there anything left? You know what I mean. So it's it's tough. I am going with Thomas Almeida on this one. This is not my official prediction. Of course, my official predictions come from the North Star Sports uh, Twitter account. But if I had to guess, I'm gonna go Almeida by round two TKO. I, I think Almeida probably finishes him, but I don't feel good about it because. We just haven't really seen it from Almeida the last couple of years, and we have seen, you know, scrappiness and some some dubs from Martinez over the last, you know, couple of years. So, I mean, this this is a real trap one here for the uh, the main card showdown. All right, moving on here to the second fight here on the main card. It is a welterweight fight here between Claudio Silva and James Kraus. Kraus is the minus one forty five favorite. Uh, we look at the fireman's picks, and they have uh, Claudio Silva winning this one by round two submission. Uh, this one's interesting. I totally disagree with the odds. Um, oh, I forgot. Uh, Kraus is twenty-seven and eight. Uh, Silva is fourteen and one. Um, I totally disagree with the odds. I think Silva's going to win this one. He's another one of these old Brazilians who who keeps racking up wins in the UFC. But just fights so infrequently that you never really gain traction. I mean, he really reminds me of a Francisco Trinaldo, of a Leonardo Santos. I mean, these are all old Brazilians, but they still got it. They still got it, but they just they can't rack up wins in quick succession to climb the rankings. 
Because if you look at Silva's wins, like, he should be ranked. He is, I think, 5-0, 6-0 in the UFC. But he just, he's been here since 2014. He fights once a year, but, you know, he he fucking wins his fights. So uh, I feel pretty confident that Claudio Silva is going to, to win this one. Not that he's he's beaten incredibly talented fighters outside of the Leon Edwards win, which is a you know increasingly solid win. Although you know this was six years ago at this point, um, but like a Nordine Talib, a Cole Williams. I mean, and he finishes guys and he he chokes out guys as well. Now James Krause is is very tough. Obviously, this was the guy who came in on short notice, two weight classes above where he traditionally fights and lost a split decision to Trevin Giles, which was complete bullshit. We know that he beat Trevin Giles. That was back at 247 with the uh, dog shit judges. Um, you know, but James Krause, he's a good fighter. I'm not going to say he, you know, gets ran through. I think this is going to be a very competitive fight, but, um, you know, I, I I don't exactly see a, a scenario where Krause wins this one. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go Silva, and I'm going to say he chokes him out. I'm going to go round three submission. Um just because I don't know, Kraus is tough as shit, man. And you know, and he really showed it in his last fight, and uh, you know, that's that's a tall task for Silva. All right, moving on here to the featured bout. It's a light heavyweight fight here between Jimmy Crute and Modestus Bukowskis. Crute uh, is the minus three ten favorite. Uh, Jimmy Crute is eleven and one. Bukowskis is eleven and two. Uh, we look at the North Star Sports uh, UFC rankings. They will have uh, Jimmy Crute at number 13. At number 13. So he is he is ranked. Uh, pretty pretty solid fighter. Um, he had that... Um, man, who did he lose to? Was it Serkinov? Yeah, so he, he lost to Serkinov. He got choked out. I'd love to see that one get ran back. It would make a lot of sense if he wins here that he gets a rematch with Serkinov, who's sitting at number 10. Um, but I like Jimmy Crute, and his development from when I first saw him on the Contender Series is tremendous, because they call him the Brute for a reason, not just because it rhymes with his fucking last name, although I guess, I suppose, part of it's that, but, like, man, he really was a fucking Brute, like, just coming forward, uh, he annihilated his opponent on the Contender Series, um, who was it, Chris Birchler, but it was a little close, like, there wasn't a whole lot of technique. Not that he didn't have technique, but he just threw caution to the wind. And that's a great recipe for getting gassed out. You can do that at the lower levels of MMA. You could probably do that in the Contender Series as well. But you can't gas out after one round, you know, and just have no regard for, for any damage you take. I mean, you'd have to be a real special fighter like Gaethje to do that, and I don't think Crute is of that level. But, you know, he beat Paul Craig, he beat Sam Alvey, rebounded, uh, choked out uh, Mikhail Olajacek. Um, I, I think he's probably in the top seven a year from now. I really do. I think this is I think this is a very interesting fighter, um, and, and he's got good power as well. Um, and, and, he's only, and he's only 24. He's only 24. Uh, now, Bukowskis, I, I'm intrigued by this guy as well. Uh, unfortunately, I think he, he loses here. Uh, I don't think he beats Crute because that's a pretty tall task, but this is a great opportunity for Bukowskis. Your second fight in the UFC, you get to fight someone who's number 13, uh, you know, and obviously if he wins, then he's number 13, it, at least in North Star's book. I don't know about the UFC's, you know, terrible rankings, but, um, you know, if Bukowskis wins, I mean, he's ranked and uh, had that really weird 
debut fight versus Andreas Mikalidis. That was the one where Mikalidis fell through the cage in between the first and the second round um, after taking, what was it? Was it elbows to the side of the head from Bukowskis? Either way, Bukowskis was either going to win that fight, whether or not it was stopped in between rounds or if the second round continued, but it was just weird and a, a little controversial, although not really. Um, so, I mean, that that's notable. Um, but yeah, I, I think Krut gets it done. Um, well, we'll look at uh, the fireman's pick on this one. He's going to have uh, Bukowskis actually winning by round one TKO. Um, yeah, I definitely disagree with that one. I'm going to go Jimmy Crute. Mm, I'm feeling a decision. I don't know why. I don't know why because Crute has... You know what? No, I'm not going decision. Jimmy Crute by round two TKO. Crute... Uh, is a tough son of a bitch to try to survive with. I mean, and he's, he's shown that he can choke you, out, choke you out as well. I don't think he chokes out Bukowskis, but um, knocks him out. Yeah, we'll go round two TKO. All right, moving on here to the co-main event of the evening. It's going to be a women's flyweight bout here between the former strawweight champion Jessica Andrade and the former title challenger Caitlin Chukagian. Uh, Andrade is 20 and 8. Chukagian is 14 and 3. We look at the North Star Sports rankings. Uh, we have Chukagian as the. Oh, where is it now? Uh, we have her as the number one contender. Although, I mean, not really. I mean, she's ranked number one, but she's not the number one contender, um, if that makes sense. And then we have Andrade as the number two ranked straw weight. Um, and. Uh, yeah, we look at the odd shark odds for this one. Uh, Chukagian, actually Andrade is a minus 165 favorite. That is very interesting. Now, Jessica Andrade, the, the, thing, the thing with this is we tried it at bantamweight. Didn't really work out. She won some fights, but obviously very undersized. But you were champion at strawweight. Is 125 the, the sweet zone? Because that's a big... That's a big swing there, 135 to 115. And then, obviously, you know, they added 125. Now, she's still going to be very short for 125. She was very short for straw weight, incredibly short for bantamweight. She's five foot one. I don't like the move up to flyweight necessarily because I think straw weight's her, her true division. But I like it because if she beats Chukagian, I mean, why should she not fight next for the title? That's a big, that's probably the biggest fight you could get for Shevchenko out of a fight with, that's out of a fight with uh, obviously the strawweight champ Zhang Weili or um, Nunes. It would be against a former champion, not that far removed from being champ, by the way, only about 15 months removed from being a champion. And man I, I I just don't know I, I do I do like it from that sense where I mean this this could be a one fight foray and then you're fighting for the for the title and I mean that's a whole that's a whole nother kettle of fish to deal with um, with you know trying to beat Shevchenko but um, I don't know and then for Chukagian you know I don't I don't really know she wanted to stay active I know that she mentioned like having kids and stuff like that but if you beat Andrade this almost feels more like a legacy fight for Chukagian than it than it does a fight to climb the rankings because if she beats Andrade, does she get a rematch with Shevchenko? Probably not. You already you lost eight months ago to Shevchenko. There, nobody's going to be calling for a rematch 
there, even though you beat two very, very good opponents uh, right after. So I don't really know what it does for Chukagian. I know I know for sure what it does for Andrade. And, uh, you know, this this one's tough. I'm going to go with Chukagian on this one. I think she's the better striker. She's significantly taller. I think she's seven inches taller, going to have a, a long reach advantage. Um, and and I, I don't know. If Andrade gets a hold of her, I mean, you know, ask Rose Namajunas. I mean, that's definitely Andrade's world. But I, I think Chukagian... Uh, I, th- I think she obviously tries to keep it standing. Great kickboxer, and I think uh, she she wins by unanimous decision. Uh, I think she just tries to keep distance, uh, really really work the jab, really really try to kick Andrade and just keep moving backwards because I know Andrade is going to move going to be moving forward. <laughs> you know, there's there's no doubt about that. So, um, you know, th- this is obviously a, a very interesting stylistic and and height and weight. Well, not so much weight obviously because they both have to weigh in at 125, but height matchup um but yeah i, I think jukagian pulls it pulls it out here um although you know I, I think it will be close because andrage probably will get her hands on jukagian at some point during the, the 15 minute fight i mean at some point just just even by random chance chance she's gonna you know get her up against the cage and then it'll you know listen then it'll be interesting to see what happens but i, I still think jukagian pulls out the dub here all right, moving on here to the main event of the evening. It's a featherweight fight here between Brian Ortega and Chan Sung Jung, the Korean Zombie. Uh, the Korean Zombie is 16 and five. Ortega 14 and one. Uh, we look at the odd shark o- odds here. Uh, they have the Zombie is a minus 200 favorite. We look at the rankings here for North Star Sports. And they will have uh, the Korean Zombie at number four, Ortega at number three. Um, oh, excuse me. Um, yeah, and then obviously this uh, Dana White, I forgot, Dana White uh, announced that this is the number one contendership fight. So the winner of this will fight Volkanovski for the title, uh, which doesn't mean a whole lot because we've heard this before, but I, I, it does make sense. So I, I do believe it this time. Um, this, this one's interesting. This one is very, very interesting. Now, this one's interesting to try to decipher because Ortega has all the talent in the world. Nobody would deny this. But he has not fought in almost two years. And the last time he fought, obviously, was his title loss to Max Holloway at 231. And he got his ass beat historically. That was a historic ass beating. He took so much... He took so much damage, it was actually startling how much damage Ortega took so I understand he's a good fighter and I understand he has talent but Jesus like incredibly inactive like almost so inactive that we had to pull him from the rankings and just tremendous tremendous ass beating so I don't know I'm actually incredibly low on Brian Ortega when it comes to his matchup here with Ortega, or uh, the Korean Zombie, obviously not, you know, in general. Like, if you put him against the number 13 guy, obviously I think he wins. But, you know, that's a lot to ask. That's a lot to ask. And, you know, the Korean Zombie is one of the more active guys here in the featherweight division. And, you know, uh, again, when you look at Ortega, I mean, he has some nice wins on his record, but, you know, these are all years ago, years ago. And uh, Ortega, I mean... Uh, or excuse me, uh, the the Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung, 
I mean, he knocked out Frankie Edgar, which is very impressive. And, you know, obviously Ortega was the first guy to do that. But, you know, that was, you know, damn near, you know, two and a half years ago. Uh, a win over Moicano, which uh, Ortega has as well. But, uh, uh, you know, the Korean Zombie did it much quicker. Um, you know, he had that last second loss to Yair Rodriguez, but he was winning that fight, you know, and, and close is, close only matters in, in hand grenades and, and horseshoes. But uh, he was he was winning that fight. He was winning that fight, and, you know, it just kind of got finished. So, um I, I'm, I'm definitely going to stick with uh, the Korean Zombie on this one. And to be honest, I think he finishes him. And I, I really see this fight playing out like the Holloway fight. Because the Korean Zombie moves forward, has a lot of pressure, great boxing, pretty good power as well. And, you know, it's over five rounds. So, you know, it's 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 going to be just like the championship fight. I, I really I really do. I really, see, I really see this playing out like the Holloway fight. Maybe not to that level but I just see or- Ortega listen like ring rust for some people is a real thing now I, we don't know if it's a real thing for Ortega because we've never seen uh, you know a layoff this long for him but ring rust we've seen it, it's a real thing for for most people I mean there's only a handful of people where you could say ring rust is not a thing like Randy Couture uh, for GSP, ring rust is not a real thing. Like, but it's 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 a very select few. So, uh, yeah, I, I I see the Korean Zombie just piecing him up, uh, and and then fighting Holloway, probably early 2021 at this point, and that that's an interesting matchup there. Uh, you know what I mean? And uh, you know the the Korean Zombie will have have paid it in full. He will have paid it in full. Obviously, lost that uh, title fight to Aldo back in 2013. I want to say, and uh, you know title shot seven years seven years later but uh, he'll earn it and um you know I'd, I'd much rather see uh the korean zombie take on volkanovsky than ortega i i just don't know what to expect but obviously if ortega wins in spectacular fashion you know that'll that'll definitely uh, bump up the intrigue but uh ortega seems like an insufferable person um so hopefully he gets knocked out it's just my uh, two cents but uh you know whatever we'll see uh, obviously a lot of bad blood a lot of bad blood jesus lord a lot of bad blood here in the uh, in the main event here. Caught a little of uh, Brendan Chobb there, a little Brendan Chobbisms. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's gonna be it. So um, we'll wrap it up here. Uh, main card showdown in a matter of hours. Uh, we'll get that posted on Twitter. Um, should be interesting. Um, next week, so we'll have the recap probably sun actually no i got stuff to do on sunday probably monday we'll have the recap um and then uh you know the, the preview for uh the big pay-per-view uh gaichi and khabib uh probably on tuesday maybe wednesday um but that that's the the first round of uh our october grand prix for the main card showdown which is going to be very very interesting cannot wait to see how that goes down uh it'll conclude with the october 31st fight um, that one between uh, Uriah Hall and Anderson Silva. Um, so a, a lot of fun stuff. Um, uh, we'll have rankings posted probably tonight, uh, maybe around 11, uh, about 30 minutes after after the, the, the main event is over. So we'll have that up and posted. Um, yeah, so a busy day, uh, you know, a fun fight card to watch. 
Um, and, and that's pretty much it, man. We'll wrap it up. Uh, again, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN, North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN, uh, The Mailman at Owen The Mailman. Uh, you got to check out our website, NorthStarsports.media, for updated rankings, picks, main card showdown. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it, man. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.